Welcome to the fourth episode of a new podcast called Leading Through the Lens of Cultural Proficiency. I'm lucky enough to be joined today with three co-authors of our book, Leading Through the Lens of Cultural Proficiency, Tamika Casey, Keith Myatt, and Randy Lindsay. I am Jamie Wellborn, and today our episode is focused on a commitment to planning, collaboration, growth, and improvement all part of the work of culture proficiency. Today, you will hear stories of Eviston's journey towards culturally proficient educational practices. Whether you're in the car listening to the podcast or you scan the QR code in the book, we want you to think about your own story and how important it is to know that story as you continue to lead schools and school organizations for opening doors for students by ensuring equitable policies and practices. At this time, I'll kick it over to my co-host, Keith Myatt. Thanks, Jamie. Um, So in the book, uh, we've actually, at the beginning of every chapter, um, helped you to focus on on the journey, on the traveling, on the, and we're, we're thinking about this in terms of what would you be doing if you were planning a vacation, a trip to, uh, you know, Europe or, or anywhere. So the first thing we do is we create our map. We think about the itinerary, the destination. Uh, and in, um, in the ISLIC and the standards, the leadership standards, we're talking about a vision for success. And then all the little mini visions that support the, the success of the, big, of the big idea here. The big idea is all students achieve grade level standards equitably. So the idea here is that if that's the big vision, what are all the little visions and the little parts of, the, of our itinerary that we need to make sure that we put into place? The next thing we need to think about is what data do we already have that helps, that informs us about how we should move forward? Um, you have to go to a lot of places. You have to go to the AAA or you have to go and find maps and resources. You go to the internet and you look at Rick Steves, uh, and you find out what is it that we're going to, what can we experience if we go to Greece? So the idea here is that what data do you need and what data do you already have that is going to help you to move in this, uh, to, to do this journey? The, one of the most important ones that people overlook in, in, in this is the effectiveness, the data that talks about the effectiveness of your leadership. And that means you've got to create feedback loops for, so that you can get the data about how your leadership in this effort is, is being perceived. It can't just be about the student's data. It's gotta be about the process data as well. Next thing we think about is resources. How many days, how much money? Uh, do we, are we gonna be on a boat? Do we need Dramamine? What are you gonna need in order to be successful in terms of the resources? The resources we have in an organization are Time, everybody has the same 24 hours in a day. Money, that's gonna be a a problem sometimes. And the capacity of the individuals in your organization. The capacity, building the capacity of the people in your organization is, is the best resource that you have. People will continue to support you 
if they feel supported and that you're investing in their growth. So we look at and find out what are we gonna need in the way of resources. The next thing we ask people to do is, what, how cold is it in England in December? It's cold. Uh, check the weather. Look around and see the entire landscape of the systems that are in your system and the systems that are around your system that affect your school. So as a school, you think about the uh, political entities that affect the school district, the cultural entities uh, in, in pl many places, the churches that are in your organization, the, bo the boys and girls clubs, all of those systems are part of your system. So where are the pluses and the minuses? Where are the barriers and the boosters? Within that organization, within all those organizations, they're gonna affect your ability to move forward with this initiative. And the other part of it is, and one of the things that the uh, cultural proficiency continuum provides you is language. When you have do the cultural proficiency and start working with that continuum, it gives you language, which gives you concepts, which gives you the ability to have discussions about your own experience and your own system. And the most, and the last thing I will ask you to do is, as a leader is to think about and be selfish about what's in this for you. When you think about your this, if you're gonna engage in, in leading this group, you, you should have your own leadership goals and see this as a, as a workshop for you to improve your own leadership. So be thoughtful in every step of the way about how am I growing? How am I getting better in this work? A cultural proficiency journey is an inside out process. You as the leader must represent and lead that. You can't, you can't mandate it. It's something you live and take other people through. And as they go through that same inside out process, then that will then boost your ability to, to have to engage in people with people in the same way. It's an inside out process. So as we think about your leadership and your ability to implement these changes to reach your vision, um, we'll think about what are some of the specifics in our own experience that we've been uh, that we've been enjoyed in the past. So Jamaica, what are some of the things that as you think about your own leadership um, that where these uh, concepts are helpful? You know, this, this is one of my favorite parts of the book, the travel guides, right? This, and it really kind of brings it all together for me as I start checking through these parts before I head into the chapter. And so as it relates to me, it helped me understand that I'm the driver. I'm the one who has to do this work, who, who's leading the work, right? And so as you're reading this and as you're going through this information, understand that you are the driver and that the decisions that you're making and the growth that's going to be uh, occurring in your organization will be because of your leadership and where you were able to leverage um, these processes that we're going to be discussing that you will read about or have been reading about in the in the book. Um, and so this, this journey or this, and I love the analogies that we've been using, has been, is going to be very instrumental in helping that growth and that development and that need of it, understanding the need for improvement and just simply doing the work. And so when, um, when I 
encountered this work and, and being able to understand and learn about all the tools and all of those things, using that along my journey really helped to shape the way that I help organizations um, to kind of just walk through these steps that we've been talking about in our other podcasts and, and in the book in general. Um, and so some of the things that we really have to be cognizant of is an understanding that this is going to take a shift in mindset. And knowing that I'm the driver helps me to know how can I help people shift their thinking and shift the ways in which we operate to get to that point of cultural proficiency within our organization. And so I think leading through this lens of cultural proficiency and utilizing this book is going to be very helpful for any leader. Um, as you just stated, Keith, when you talked about creating your own, creating your map, creating that platform and that way in which to go on this journey. And then all of those things, when you said uh, bringing your resources together, whether it's the human capital, whether it's your financial capital, all of those different parts are going to be so important. And then what mileage are you going to get out of this journey? You know, looking at all of those areas. So at the beginning of every chapter, the way in which um, the book was orchestrated, you have uh, ways to create that roadmap. You have your resources there and available. How do you gather those resources and what you're going to use for that particular portion of your journey um, and knowing that how much mileage it's going to take. And then also knowing where you are at that moment, checking that weather, knowing so that you can know what other things you need to bring on that journey. Um, you always have to know where you're starting, your starting point. And so and then, as you stated earlier, those travel phrases just really helps us to have that same common language. So when we're working with one another um, and we're pushing the work forward, um, no understanding the language that we need to use and, and having that commonality as we're pro progressing through that work together collectively. And then being that driver, um, understanding that my leadership really matters in this and, and my thoughts and my frames of thinking and reference is going to help others follow along on that journey. It's hard to lead if you look back and there's no one back there with you uh, <laughs> following. So uh, definitely utilizing these travel guides, um, I think is going to help any leader um, on this journey to cultural proficiency and leading their organization. I don't know, what do you guys think? To make it your point, I really appreciate it. It brings to mind to me that one of the many strengths of the book is the, the leaders are engaged with the other, other adults. It's not something that's foisted off on teachers or foisted off on counselors, but it's that they're engaged with everybody's at the school, including the community they serve. The other thing I like about the book is it's, it, it really focuses on um, taking a look at knowing that the capacity to learn is there and that it's about the system, it's not about the kids. It's about changing the system in service of the students. And so the assumption is the capacity of, of the system to learn. And I think that we've moved in, in my generation from professional development to professional learning. Learning. To me, that's what this book exemplifies is how one school district unlearned so they could learn. And so I, I think it's a, it's a really good uh, map. I love the metaphors. Uh, I think it's a really good map of what some what one system has done and done effectively. 
and, and, and not being afraid of undoing in ways that's going to better serve students. Yes, yes. I have faith that we as, as a society are continuing to democratize in ways that were not originally envisioned in 1776. And so I, I think that, that this school district is, is really illustrating the fact that all children have the capacity to learn and all educators have the capacity to teach them. And when I talk about teaching, I don't talk about just teachers, that everybody is the system supports the teacher teaching. Yes, kind of reminds me of that um, adage of um, with NASA, I don't know if anybody's familiar with it, but you know, what's your job? You know, they walk, they did a walkthrough and everybody's asking now, what's your job? My job is to put a man on the moon. And right. No matter who you spoke to, whether it was <laughs> the janitor or the, the custodian up to the actual computers and the scientists, everyone's job was to put a man on the moon. So it's like our organization, it doesn't matter what seat you sit in in our organizations. It is our, all of our jobs to create this culturally proficient organization. It doesn't matter what seat you're in, like you were talking about, Randy, no matter what department you work for, whether you're in the classroom, out of the classroom, in the boardroom, wherever you are, it is all of our responsibility to get this work going and get it moving and to not only get it moving, but to have it sustained and institutionalized, right? I think it was Peter saying it. It's, you're absolutely right. Um, it is everybody's. I love that. Get, get a man on the moon. Uh, I think it's Sangi. Everyone's doing the best job they can in the systems they're in. If you go with, if you, if that's the basic, if that's your, if that's your entry point, then the work is systemic. The work is on what's going on in in the culture and in the systems in the schools. Yeah. So I'm thinking about that. Oh, go ahead, Randy. The NASA, the NASA analogy. I just want to pick up that I'm seeing increasingly in our work. And that is that every person who's employed by the district knows their relationship to supporting the teacher in the classroom. Yes. And so the, the, the comment that's being used frequently is schools do not exist to provide jobs for adults. So everybody who is employed by the district knows in what ways they support the teacher in the classroom. And so that, that becomes truly uh, a system that values the community they serve. Right. And that it's a learning process. Somebody we can learn. I love the NASA metaphor. I forgot about that. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. I'm still drawing connections. Um, the question I think we posed it in one of our our prior episodes, and it, it's in the book. And I know that uh, I probably heard it from the first time from Dolores. Do we do what we say we do? Um, mm -hmm. and, and I think that really speaks to. I mean. One of my favorite questions in, in trainings is, um, when is this going to be over, right? How many sessions do we have to sit through until we can say, we're done with this work? And I said, well, well honestly, it, it should never be over. Um, like I say, you can't know everything there is to know about everybody. And because culture proficiency is really a mindset, um, you're going to interact with people your entire life that you, you've never encountered, maybe um, the, the cultural differences or the behaviors that may be associated, associated with those cultural differences. And so your, your community will constantly change. The people that you have hired in the school system will continually change. And, and we all bring those differences, that diversity to, to the organization. And so, you know, I, I go back to uh, Glenn Singleton. Um, I know that there's an article out there and there's probably more that I just haven't encountered, but he says, you know, uh, he talks about random acts of equity. 
Um, and, you know, a lot of uh, organizations are, are looking for, we, we saw an, an influx of that in the, in the past year, I think, with a lot of hiring of diversity, equity, and inclusion coordinators. Um, and people are actually trying to now move kind of away from some of that terminology because they don't want it to appear as if they're trying to check a box. And so this work, you know, when, when and, and even in Eviston, they realized this was not a check the box. Like we're going to think through this in a strategic planning um, type of model, like looking at all of those aspects in the district and really figure out like, what does this look like in three to five years? And, and in these last four chapters, you really get into what is this looking like for Eviston, you know, now, you know, two years. And, and the book even in brings a lot, it was based upon a two-year research study, but obviously time has elapsed since then. And so there's some additional information and pieces in there that weren't a part of the original study of how this work has continued, how they are proving this is not a check the box. Um, Zaretta Hammond also says you can um, you can uh, check the box that you do this as a culturally proficient teacher or a culturally proficient leader or cultural responsive leader, but until you've adopted that mindset of culture proficiency, you won't actually make the impact on the students and really open the doors for them that you truly wish to. So the answer to the question like when is this over when we can truly say that every student in our school system is thriving, right, in, in all aspects, think of the whole child. When we can say that every single student year after year is thriving, I would say we would be done then. But um, <laughs> until then, uh, we have to have we have to think through those ways. We have to move through the challenges, which includes overcoming the barriers, thinking through, um, you know, what does this look like in three to five years, but also what does this look like in ten years? Um, and and the the superintendent Eviston has been so intentional. Um, just that that forward thinking year after year, um, you know, he's already thinking two, three years down the road from right now of, of what does this look like? Um, what aspects are going to be really focused? You know, what are our goals going to look like? Are our strategies from reaching those still going to be the same? I would even say, is the community still going to be the same? And so what do we need to do to make sure that every single, every single person is opening the door each and every day for, for those students. And I would say, especially those who are not thriving. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I think that mindset's important when you think about um, the fact that it's gonna be lifelong. There's not gonna be any point where, where um, I started out as a band director and I play the trumpet. And I, I, I remember thinking when I was in college, well, at some point, I'm just going to get to the point where I'm just going to plateau and I'll be able to play everything and, and that'll be just, no. Uh, most, most musicians get to that point and at the end of their life, they, they wish they had more years to get better. It's, it's, it's a constant, um, enjoyable journey yeah. about embracing difference and being happy with things. I'm thinking about a friend, um, the, a friend they've traveled to Italy and her husband wanted to know how come spaghetti and meatballs wasn't on the menu. Regarding, <laughs> like, well, you're in Italy now, and there's a million things you can eat. No, I want meatballs, and you know, so it's it's an attitude in life. It's a, an enjoyable uh, way of looking at things, and uh, you know, a new attitude and that constantly refreshes with every new opportunity. Uh, if you're not excited yeah. by that. Um, 
you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's not a good life. Right, right. So embrace it, embrace it, because the journey continues. The journey, and you know what? Uh, we, uh, years ago, uh, Alvin Toffler, I'm um, gonna forget the name of the book, uh, but about the speed of change. And you know what? The speed of change. How many how many iPhones have we already all all own? Right. Um, <laughs> you know, the speed of change is a constant, constant, and you can either you know rail against the the tide, or you can you know get a surfboard and learn how to surf. And um, that's what we need to do. The yeah. analogy on continuous learning uh, that I've been using recently, as as the three of you know, several years ago I had a stroke, and I meet with my cardiologist every four months. <clears throat> And what I'm always excited about is him telling me what he learned since I was there four months earlier. He didn't graduate 20 years ago and quit learning. And so he said his population changes, the demographics of the community change. And he said, the craft changes. Yeah. And so I always enjoy that. I, I use that as an analogy. I told him about it last time I was there. He said, oh, so, so I exist in two domains now, right? You sure do. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So I'm thinking about our, our listeners, you know, just as they, um, you know, the last four chapters of the book really brings it all together, like thinking what's next. Uh, you know, I, I, I've been thinking about this and just my understanding of the continuum, like it's one thing to pick up this book and, and read it or listen to our podcast and kind of think through it. I've begin, I've, um, I, I'm starting to understand how that may be like in the culturally pre-competent. Like if we think about ourselves as leaders and put this culture proficiency framework into motion right here, like reading this book, thinking through the challenges, you know, maybe learning something about the barriers, the guiding principles, like what the tools are, that's in that pre-competence area. Like when you move to the next key, the, the next um, column of, of cultural competence, that's when you actually start to do the work. And so we want to like push you to, to think through that, like what happens after this? And we've been intentional, you know, throughout the book of giving you reflection, dialogue and action questions. Um, we've been real intentional about what those questions look like for you. Um, some of them may seem redundant. We do that on purpose as well to kind of bring you back to some of those key pieces that will help you really lead the change in your school organization. So, you know, um, I, always, I always tell groups like we are really striving to be in that cultural competence area. The proficiency part is that lifelong commitment to yes. learn. Yeah. Um, and that's where the continuous part comes into play. So, you know, readers out there, you think about you're reading this book right now, you're in the pre-competence stage. When you step into your school system and you start putting some of this into action, whether it's, you know, talking about it in a meeting or whether it's helping and leading your groups develop that full equity plan. action plan, that's yeah. competent. When you start to train and lead others, so if you're a principal, you're a superintendent, and you start to help others on their journey as well. Um, you know, just that lifelong commitment. I also kind of start throwing in that term of, of advocacy. Um, when you think about the students who are not thriving in your school system, or maybe it's maybe it's even employees, colleagues, colleagues. Um, when you think about that, and and you start to get really intentional about um, advocating 
for equity for them or access inclusion for them, that's when you'll know you're hitting in that cultural proficiency column of that continuum. I try to think about that in my own leadership, like, okay, I'm listening to a podcast, I'm learning something here, now what? How do I move to be culturally competent? And then one step further, like, what does this mean in the advocacy realm? Um, like, how do I take this to be culturally proficient in my own behaviors as a leader? And one of the things I look for in uh, every train over time, either virtually or face-to-face, is people come back after doing some reading and some thinking, and they come back and say, you know, I'm seeing things and hearing things I didn't see and hear before. And they were there all that time. <laughs> it becomes, you're like, yes. yeah. <laughs> but, it, but it, becomes, it becomes an important part of being alert in ways that we can interrupt and interrupt in ways to be productive, to channel conversations, as you suggest, on between the competence and pre-competence, and really take a look at the fact that it's our behavior, let alone the things we are doing in the school as far as its policies and practices are concerned. I I had a, a wonderful art teacher, and he said, I don't teach kids how to paint. I teach them how to see. I saw a tweet the other day as a country, we need to move to special ed not being a place that we send kids, but a place where we serve kids. Mm. And so it's, it's it's those kinds of things. And I would say that's the case for, for every program we have in our schools. Yes. Yeah. I'm encouraged by being in a democracy. I think that the, the country was not conceived to be democratic and inclusive the way it is, but we're moving in that direction. Um, as Kakanza says, it's one conversation at a time. Makes me think of uh, commitment. Like if you look at these last four chapters, um, those of you listening um, and, and reading the book, you'll see those four chapters really are about ensuring uh, equity access and inclusion um, for all students um, and really open the doors so that each, each child thrives. A personal note that I probably should add since I shared with the group that I had a stroke several years ago, I made 100% recovery, which is very unusual. So I feel blessed. I don't want to leave that out there hanging. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on this episode of Leading Through the Lens of Cultural Proficiency. We would like to extend a special thank you to our publisher, Corwin. For additional resources, visit the Center for Culturally Proficient Educational Practice at ccpep.org. And be sure to subscribe to Leading Through the Lens of Cultural Proficiency through iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you at the next stop on the cultural proficiency journey.